When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Long Acres Finance channel, where the mission is to find the best high-quality dividend stocks for safe, reliable, and growing passive income streams. Today we are going to be taking a look at how to find the best dividend stocks. I'm going to share with you the secret sauce that I use to find the best dividend stocks each month, and hopefully you'll be able to improve your process by borrowing a peace of mind. You may be familiar with my two monthly watchlists that are published on my channel, the best high-yield dividend stocks and the best high-growth dividend stocks. Today I'll focus on the high yield watchlist. In each watchlist you can get a glimpse of what I look at each month, but I don't overly share how I find the stocks to include in the watchlist, and why I like to use the metrics I do. So let's jump over to my stock screener from Schwab and see exactly how it works. Starting with the high yield dividend stock screener, I have it here labeled as HY portfolio, so let's click into it and see how it works. There are 14 screener criteria in this screener. The first is the exchange, and I have this set for the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange. I chose these two filters because I want to only identify easily accessible companies. And as you can see here, there are more than 5,000 stocks trading across these two exchanges. Plenty of companies to look through. Criteria number two is the market cap. I am looking for a market cap of 10 billion or more. The reason for this is that larger companies tend to make safer investments. And safety is very important to me. That is why I'm looking for mainly mid and large cap stocks. The next criteria is price. And this isn't really a filter, but I have to include it as a criteria if I'd like to see the information, and be able to extract it into Excel. Actually, two more criteria out of the 14 are just for informational purposes. The 5-year historical yield that I use for valuation, and the sector and industries field to add additional information to the extracted file. The next filter is the annual dividend rate, and I have it set for one penny or higher, because as the name of the watchlist states, I am looking for dividend stocks. The next criteria I look for is a dividend yield of 2.75% or more. To me that is a sufficiently high enough yield to be on the high yield watchlist. Everyone will have their own threshold or definition for high yield. This one is mine, and it's worked nicely for me. Up next is the payout ratio, and here I filter for companies with a trailing 12 month payout ratio less than 100%. This means the company is not paying out more in dividends than they are currently earning. I prefer to see payout ratios below 60% but I let my scoring system reward or penalize individual companies in the second step of my monthly watches process. More on that later. The next criteria is the 5-year dividend growth rate, and here I am looking for any growth, with the filter set for greater than 0%. While I personally like fast dividend growth, this watches is focused on yield and not growth, and therefore I'm willing to accept lower dividend growth in lieu of a higher current yield. Next, I filter for companies that have either a wide or narrow moat rating from Morningstar. These companies are forecasted to have a competitive advantage over their peers for the next 10 or 20 year period of time. To go in line with the moat, I screen for a standard or exemplary stewardship, also provided by Morningstar. This evaluates the management team of a company. Companies with better management teams could be poised for better growth in the future. The next criteria is the S&P Capital IQ Earnings and Dividend Ranking. Here I am looking for a rating of B or higher. This rating system evaluates the earnings and dividend history for a company and rates them against their peers. A better letter grade is desirable. And finally, I look for positive revenue and earnings growth during the past five years. Because I think if a company is growing its top line and bottom line, they have a higher likelihood to pass that growth on to me, the investor. 
Right now it looks like 23 companies passed the test and would make it onto the watch list. I run this screener on the last day of each month and place all the companies that pass these filters onto next month's watch list. That watch list is published here on my channel each month, as well as on Seeking Alpha in an article format. If you have watched any of my watches videos, you probably already know that the watches stocks have performed quite well over the past few months. Between November 2020 and June 2021, the watch list is up almost 36%. It's ahead of both SPY, the S&P 500 ETF, and VYM, Vanguard's high yield ETF. After I pull each watch list, I also rank all the stocks based on a proprietary scoring system. The top 10 best ranked stocks from each month have outperformed the watch list as a whole. Over the same 8 month period, they are up over 50%. That's almost 15% better than the entire watch list. So why do I choose these metrics to find dividend stocks over other metrics? I believe they work and can point me to a better than average return in the long term. But to actually know that they work, they must be tested. And that is exactly what I'd like to show you next. I've gone back to compare the performance of the stocks on my watch list across seven different criteria. Before we get into it, I'd just like to say that correlation does not imply causation. Or just because a metric has proven to work in the past does not mean it's the driver of outperformance. Let's start with the moat. Morningstar provides two moat ratings for companies, either a wide moat or a narrow moat. Some companies have no moat at all, but I filtered them out for my watch list. So all we have are wide or narrow moat companies. A wide moat is better and implies a higher competitive advantage versus peers than a narrow moat. On average, there were about 10 wide moat companies each month and 15 narrow moat companies. During the eighth month period between November 2020 and June 2021, the wide mode companies have outperformed narrow mode companies by about 8.9%. Wide mode companies have a cumulative 8-month return of 41.8%, which is higher than the narrow mode companies that clocked in at 32.9%. Wide mode companies led for 4 months and trailed for the other 4 months. Narrow companies have provided alpha during both the down months in our 8-month test window. This does not mean when comparing a wide mode company with a narrow mode company, the wide mode company should be better, but collectively wide mode companies have performed better. This is why I assign a higher score for a wide moat in my ranking system. Let's move on to stewardship. This is another metric from Morningstar that evaluates the management team of a company. On average, there are about 8 companies with an exemplary management team on each month's watch list, and about 17 companies with a standard management team. During the 8-month test window, companies with an exemplary management team have returned almost 2% more than companies with a standard team. This is a pretty narrow difference, but a positive difference nonetheless. I think the lower count of companies with an exemplary management team may be negatively impacting the results. Hopefully in the future there will be more balanced data to evaluate this metric. Let's move on to the S&P earnings and dividend rating. I include companies rated B or better, so there are 5 unique letter grades included in the watch list. A+, A, A-, B+, and B. There have only been 2 A+, rated companies on the watch list, and both of them have dropped off in February, meaning that we have a lack of data for this letter grade. Similarly, there are only two companies that have a B rating. The cumulative return for both these grades should not be taken into consideration, because it wouldn't be an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. On average, there are about 8 companies with an A rating each month, about 7 companies with a rating of A-, and 9 companies with a rating of B+. Over the 8-month test period, companies rated A have offered a slight edge over the other grades. Companies rated A- are right in line with the average watcher's return and companies rated B+, have trailed the average watches by about 7%. Clearly a pattern is emerging that a higher rating has led to better returns. Ideally in the coming months and years, each letter grade will be better represented, so that all the grades can be fully evaluated. Let's move on to dividend growth. Here I took the average 5-year dividend growth rate for all the companies on the watches for a given month, 
and I split the companies by their individual growth rates to those that are above the average and below the average. On average, there were about 10 companies with above average dividend growth per month, and about 15 companies with a below average dividend growth rate. This tells me that there are a few companies with very strong growth rates that are driving the average higher. Over the 8-month test window, companies with above average dividend growth have outperformed the below average companies by 10.65%. This is a pretty significant lead after only 8 months. The next metric I want to look at is the payout ratio. Here I did the same thing as with the dividend growth. I split the companies each month to those above the average and below the average. Below the average is where you want to be ideally. The companies are split about equally, with about 14 companies below the average each month and about 12 above the average. During the 8-month test, companies with below average payout ratios outperformed by almost 6%. But what's interesting for this metric and the dividend growth metric is that certain companies would jump between above and below average as the watchlist average would shift each month. For example, here you can see that Truist Financial had an above average payout ratio for November to January and again in March, but in February and April to June, they were below the average payout ratio. Let's jump to past revenue growth. Same premise as before, the companies were split to those above the average and below the average, 5-year revenue growth rate. On average, there were more companies with below average revenue growth, almost 15 per month versus just 11 above the average growth. During the 8-month test, companies with above average historical revenue growth are outperforming by almost 20%. This is by far the widest margin of all the metrics. There are a few companies on the watchlist now with really strong historical revenue growth, pushing the average up for the entire watchlist. This leads to less companies being above average. It'll be interesting to see what impact that will have on future returns. And finally, we have the last metric, which is historical earnings growth. Companies were split using each month's average historical earnings growth rate. On average, there were more companies below the average than above. About 16 companies per month were below, and about 9 were above. The 8th month return is much closer than all the other prior metrics, with the companies below the average having a slight edge here of about half a percent. During this 8-month period, it appears that historical earnings growth played little to no impact on better returns. So what can we do with all this information now? Well, we know that these metrics individually do point to stronger returns, or at least it appears they have during the last 8 months. If we were to try to find an individual stock with a wide moat, exemplary management team, an A- or better rating, an above-average dividend growth rate, a below-average payout ratio, and an above-average historical revenue growth rate, we would find exactly zero stocks on the June watch list. It's unlikely that we would find many of these, let's call them unicorn companies. And even if we did find one or two, it's a pretty risky bet to say that because of these strong metrics, they will offer better than average returns going forward. A better method, and what I do, is to build a ranking system for all the stocks. Reward companies for strong results, but judge them on how well they do across the board. In July, the highest rated stock by my system was Amgen, with MT Bank in a close second place. My rating system also takes into account the current valuation of a stock based on dividend yield theory. I think companies that are trading at a discount should be rated higher than overvalued companies. The tilt for valuation is marginal in respect to the quality metrics, so it only provides a slight boost. The rating system has worked out well thus far, with the top 10 stocks from each month beating the overall watches by about 15% during the past 8 months. 8 months is still a short period of time in the stock market and I will continue to track returns across these metrics to see if these patterns continue to lead to outperformance. And perhaps a new pattern will emerge that can be leveraged to improve my future returns. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to consume this content in a video format, you are welcome to visit my YouTube channel. Just search for Long Acres Finance on YouTube and you'll find more of me. If you'd like to reach me directly, you can do so by emailing me at longacresfinance at gmail.com. 
If you would like to support this channel, you can do so on Patreon and unlock the additional benefits offered there. Thank you for being here and have a wonderful day.